From The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman You're alive, Bod. That means you have infinite potential. You can do anything, make anything, dream anything. If you can change the world, the world will change. Potential. Once you're dead, it's gone. Over. You've made what you've made, dreamed your dream, written your name. You may be buried here. You may even walk. But that potential is finished. This is Gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, Sojourners, and welcome to the dark. It's time for another Gothic Podcast. But... Before we get started, um, Sharon and I made it out to Jesse's uh, live musical, musical parody of D&D, <laughs> complete with billionaires. It was awesome. Billionaire dragons. Quite fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. We loved every single night. Uh, yeah, it, the crowds were amazing. The music was a lot of fun. There was a lot of great energy. A lot of even like new cast to the crew, um, like to the to the theater company. Uh, uh, it's always great to have a lot of people interested in it, and yeah, hopefully we'll have a actual recording out soon of the music. And we'll definitely link to that on our show notes at some point. Woohoo! And then I can properly have "Onward to Glory" stuck in my head for four days. <laughs> now Richard didn't go. I mean, it would have been a, a little bit of a trip, a yeah, little bit of a commute. No, really. Yeah, the uh, the train doesn't go that far. Now, well, if, if you had uh, said Jesse, if you had made it a uh, blues uh, hockey game parody, then maybe <laughs> yeah. we could have got him out here. Yeah, no, <laughs> Next they, time. they they are no longer their season is officially ended. They got bumped out of the playoffs, so we are officially in mourning uh, in the household. So it uh, there's a mandatory mourning period. Yeah, I had. To, I actually was just allowed to take off my dark veil just for the <laughs> recording tonight. <laughs> I was wondering about the veil hair. <laughs> you know, Nax actually has a, a an extra pop filter. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's uh, it, they're actually very comfortable, but um, uh, they they get itchy after a while. So baby powder, baby powder. Yes. Now we sound like we're warming up. <laughs> All right. La 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 la. On that literal note, <laughs> let's uh, get started. Let's uh, let's go to Trakai, that strange planet that uh, turns about its distant sun. It uh, its upper layers covered in temperate forests, rain making waterfalls that fall toward the center across its banded land masses that loop inward and inward until finally falling is snow somewhere deep within 
It's that snow that falls upon the shuttle of the Wapiti, but it does not fall upon our scientific expedition. No, they have found a way into the structure that seems to be the planet, and they did so after a bit of a tragedy. So let's pick up with that, and let's find out what happened to Dr. Laura Angel. Dr. Laura, you were standing at the edge of the hatch, peering down, shining your flashlight into the darkness, pistol in your other hand, and then something whipped up out of that darkness. A tail? It was quick. It was fast. It wrapped around your midsection and then jerked you off of your feet and into the darkness of the interior of Trakai. There it is. It is It is wrapping you, but not quite having wrapped around you. It speared you. It speared you through your environmental suit, but fortunately, you're not a big person, and it actually caught only the suit itself, although piercing it, it did. But you are being um, hauled along now in a breakneck pace. What do you do? I try to get away. <laughs> That's not the Dr. Laura voice. No, no, that was that was a panicked Jesse voice. <laughs> All right, well, you have a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other. Yes, my M4A3 service pistol. You don't feel like you have sustained any major damage yet, but you are bobbing along as this thing hurries along the ceiling of a tunnel that is at least 25 feet to the, from the ceiling to the floor and at least 30 or maybe even 40 feet from one side to the other. There are tangles of organic-seeming ridged tubing. It is obscene almost in its glossiness, its dripping, its, well, its, uh, its artificialness, but it's also organicness. And this thing just clambers over it like it's nothing, moving quickly, not having yet decided what to do with you, perhaps. Um, okay. I mean, like, am I really wrapped up in, like, multiple arms? Is it just dragging me along by one arm? The tail is still speared onto you. It will occasionally grab you as if it's got you tucked under its, <laughs> into its armpit. This like thing is perhaps nine feet tall, not counting the tail. But other okay. times you're just dangling um, from the tail itself. I will pull out my pistol as soon as I get dropped by the hand, and next time I will aim directly at tail and fire, trying to free myself from the creature. Right, I'm going to give you um, initiative cards here. You got oh, a three. I have a three. It got some other numbers. It has multiple numbers? Numbers, plural? No. However, you get to go first. Oh, right, it's reverse. You fire. This is close combat. This is close combat, which I have crap for. Um, did I get a stress level from uh, encountering a Xeno thing? Absolutely. This is one that you have not encountered before, and you've been dragged into the dark by it. It does bear similarities to the thing that was on the shuttle. 
But uh, but yeah, this thing is far bigger, more powerful, more horrifying. All right, that puts me at a three stress level. Oh God. Okay, one success, one face hugger. Oh dear. Roll on the panic table. Oh six. <laughs> three plus three. Um, how much damage does your pistol do? Two. Let me look. All right. Sure. Uh, no, just one. Sorry, I was looking at the bonus. <gasps> that gave me a bonus. I should have rolled more dice. Oh well. I forgot about the bonus on the on that pistol. Go ahead. It's just two extra dice is all. Could give you some cool extras. More successes. Yeah. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna roll armor and see if I can uh, remove any of those wounds. I remove three of them, but since there was only one. Wait. So that negates all of the damage. Yes. Yep. Ah, uh, yikers. You are swinging about you you get you you chewed at the tail but the whipping around is too much and it doesn't it doesn't connect it just zings on off into the darkness but now i've made that big noise for everyone to hear you have you made a big enough noise that uh, as this thing proceeds on into the darkness you see something appear on it Three dots in a triangle. And you hear this sound in the distance. Richard, would you be so kind as to give me the sound effects? Yes, I can. Nice. And then there's the sound of three whooshings. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And then there's explosions all around you, it seems. Boom, boom, boom. And then you're falling. You are falling 25 feet. And you crash into the floor of the tunnel. You hit, actually, one of those giant ribbed tube lengths that's going down the center of the tunnel. And you bounce off of it, roll. The damage you take is the height you fell in meters, divided by two, rounded down. Is there any way to, like, lessen the damage? Like, a like three point landing or or a survival check or something in a controlled jump you could roll knowing how to fall knowing how to do the parachute roll armor protects you from some falling damage as yep, well no armor you do hit that uh tubing and so i would give you a mobility uh, you may roll mobility and see if you can reduce the damage which is going to be four damage so it would be nice if you could reduce some of that yeah it really would be, but with on oh, I do have one success, but no face hugger this time. Uh, so three damage. That's better than four. Yep, but that still puts me uh, technically below zero. What? Ha- okay. What the hell? What happens when you? We've never had this before. Strangely enough, in this game, <laughs> right? Not even in the session zero. I took damage, so that's another stress level, no matter what. Damage. If you drop to zero health, you're broken. In effect, taken out of action. Immediately roll for a critical injury. If you're not dead, you can crawl and mumble through the pain. You can't perform <laughs> any other actions, and you can't roll for any skills. I have to roll for a critical injury? Yeah. What we learned here is crawling and mumbling is not an action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you need to roll for a critical injury, Dr. Laura. It's two six-sided dice, one for the tens digit, one's for the... Okay. Oh, 66. Oh, man. <laughs> Impaled heart, instant, you die. Oh, what? No. <laughs> I oh, can't no. believe I just rolled a 66. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, no. 
holy moly, that's the worst one they could possibly have gotten. It's one of four instant deaths. And they're all 63, 64, 65, 66. And that's... Yikers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Welp. Um, so yeah, Dr. Laura's... It's, it's been fun. Dr. Laura falls. Goodbye, cruel world. I will go to heaven where I water my plants and make them grow. Aw. Dr. Laura falls, strikes the conduit in the center of the hallway, and does not roll off of it because one of those sharp edges has pierced her through. Lars, Mr. Brad Larson of the good ship Pescado Malo. Recently, things haven't been going so well for Lars, having encountered something in the depths of the ship, something that dragged him off, but you managed to escape, at least briefly. You climbed up through a hatch onto B deck of the Pescado Malo. You tried to make it to A deck, but you didn't want to risk drawing the creature there, and so you took a circuitous route, and by the time you got to the junction you were headed for, whatever poison it had pumped into your belly had taken effect finally, and you lost consciousness. Now you awaken, your senses coming back to you one at a time and slowly. The first is sound, and you hear the klaxons, the emergency klaxons going off in the ship. You hear, over and over again. Then, vision. Your vision comes back to you even more slowly than sound. Even while the klaxons are going off, it's just a red pulsing until that blurry pulsing solidifies, coalesces into a red light flashing above you, one of the emergency lights on the ship. And then it is feeling, and your entire body is sore. You feel the cold of a table against your back. Realize that you are not wearing your overalls, your jumpsuit, or your t-shirt, that you're just wearing your skivvies, in fact. You can feel the cold metal of this table against your legs, your feet. But then there's a far more localized pain uh, right near your heart. and. As your vision has come together, you sort of move your head slightly. You realize that you are in the galley on deck A of the Pescado Malo, on the long, round, central table where everyone eats. And that that sharp pain in your chest is because there's an adrenaline needle still shoved into your sternum, and the syringe is still bobbing around there its contents emptied, but no one around. There are no other people here in the galley of the ship. What do you do? Uh, call out, uh, he- hello. <coughs> Pull the needle out of my chest. Uh, look around. Is there a uh, communication terminal that I can see? There is. This is the one that is right by the passageway that goes to the bridge, which is forward of you here, to the uh, port side, the left side. You know that there's another hallway that goes to a junction 
They would also take you to the bridge or aft, and there is a passage going aft from the galley that takes you back to uh, junction A2, which would give you access to the lower levels of the ship. Can I see any of my clothing? Your shirt has been cut off of you, and it is pooled on the floor nearby, but the jumpsuit is uh, intact at the uh, foot of the table. Grab that and start to pull it on as I make my way over to the communication terminal. The klaxons are going off still. The red lights are flashing. You slip in something. It's blood. Okay. Is it just like one central pool? Does it seem like there's blood everywhere? It's a splash of blood on the uh, on the smooth white floor of the galley. It is red and even redder in the flashing red lights of the uh, of the emergency lighting. Black, almost. But it is a pool. It is spread out a fair bit. But also looks like something has been dragged through it. Uh, keep making my way over to the communication terminal. Punch in for all intercom. This is Lars. Bridge, uh, is, is anyone there? There are no answers from the comms. Uh, any weaponry nearby? Uh, cutlery. Cutlery in drawers in this in the uh, set into the walls of the galley. Fine, I will grab a knife and slowly fart, start to follow the trail of blood. The trail of blood leads aft, back along the corridor that heads toward Junction A two. Mm-hmm. The lights here also flashing red. Mm-hmm. The trail of blood black on the floor of the tunnel. Bo- Bosco, patience. Silence, except for the klaxons, is your only reply. Uh, keep following the blood. At, jun- at the junction, normally you, have, you would have two other options here at the Well, three options here at the junction. You could go uh, through a hatch down to uh, B deck, or you could go a little bit further aft into the living areas, or you could go starboard, um, which would take you to the med lab and the elevator and then eventually on around to another junction and then back to the bridge or the galley, depending on what you wanted to do there. But there is another passage open to the starboard side, one that wasn't there before, one that you've never known to be there. Uh, and that seems to be where the blood trail leads? The blood trail seems to lead down the hatchway. I am so interested in this. I don't know if I want to call it a secret room or not, but I just want to get a good peek in there. So I'd go down that way, the the seeming secret hatch down the starboard side. It curves around until it is going forward, parallel to the starboard side of the ship. And you go through a couple of bulkheads, but it eventually comes to a door that is uh, slightly ajar, slightly open. Beyond is another octagonal chamber, about the same size as a junction. There are lights from within, and you hear cursing. The lights are not the red lights of the emergency lighting in the ship, but rather uh, flickering fluorescence. The cursing sounds like that of your medical officer, Carla Shaw. What do you do? Creep closer and li- and try and listen to what they're talking about. Give me a mobility check as you're trying to sneak up. Now, I'm actually going to give you two extra die here. Oh, 
Okay. Because there's a lot of noise. All right. With the klaxons going off and everything. So you're giving me two? <laughs> Uh, yes. That makes up for the negative two that I have for my critical injury, so that's awesome. Oh, that's two face huggers. Well, that is going to be a panic roll check. Ew. So you need to roll 1d6 and add your current stress level. Did you roll any successes? No successes. Rumble, all skill rolls using the same one I had before. Were you already under a... Uh... Yeah, I already I already had a tremble uh, where my agility suffers a negative two modification. As you approach, you just begin trembling uncontrollably. And you realize that, in part, that's because the adrenaline blast that got you up and about is, uh, is starting to wear off a little bit. But also, perhaps somewhat because of what you are overhearing, which isn't much because it is loud. And although you stumble, you hear a few words as you approach. You hear Carla Shaw saying, <clears throat> emergency, emergency. This is uh, Operative Carla Shaw calling for an emergency evac from Pescado Malo at predetermined location. At predetermined location. I need, I need an emergency evac from this ship. Please get me out of here. I think I think the rest are all dead. Uh, I have what we came for, though. Get me out of here. Get me. And then she stops because you put your hand out on the door and it automatically opened a little bit further. And she turns and you see her wild eyed hair um, everywhere. You her jumpsuit is partly open as if she threw it on at the last minute. She's not wearing any shoes, but does have slippers on. And she sees you there in the door and says, I, I thought you were dead. Not yet. Uh, What's going on here? She looks around and what you see in the room is a strange space in the ship that you didn't know. I mean, this is a whole junction sized section of the ship that you didn't know was here at all. And it's got what looks like specimen crates, big tubes that are transparent, but with uh, big handles on them and sitting on rollers on the floor, filled with some kind of fluid. Nothing inside of them, but there are about three of those. There is a communications console that is not of of what was standard here in the Pescado Malo. This is actually much newer. It is uh, better tech than what the rest of the ship has. And there's also a desk and a computer system that is currently running what looks like diagnostics or evaluations on something. But you don't know what. That's not your area of expertise. Definitely not. She looks around. She looks at all of the equipment and looks back at you. And goes, one of those crazy bastards must have hit you with some of the adrenaline. And she reaches over for a syringe case that's right next to her and picks up a very large syringe filled with liquid that doesn't look overly healthy for anyone. And she starts striding toward you. I uh, had enough needles in me to, to, today, Doc, and, and back up and close the door behind me. You back up and close the door. 
What are you going to do? Stand there, run? Uh, you... Run. Okay. Give me another mobility roll because you are not in good shape. I am not in good shape at all. <sighs> no successes. One more face huggy. Roll your panic again. Oh, boy. Please give me something different. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Freeze. Increase your stress and the stress of all friendly PCs in a short range. Lose your next slow act. So that's one more stress for me. I'm now at five. The door opens. As you you turn to run, but you you just collapse against the wall. You don't fall to the floor, but you you're having it's like the whole ship is tilted and you can't pull yourself off of the wall. You don't have the strength to do it. So you start running down the the passageway with your shoulder still against the wall, but only in your head are you running. In actuality, you're just taking one slow step after another. She comes out and says, I am sorry about this, Brad. And she attacks you with the syringe. You can block a melee attack if you have something in your hand, and you have a knife in your hand. That's like one of my few options right now. Uh, Yeah. Thwart the attack upon my personage. I'm going to let the freezing be your attempt to get away. And so by freezing, you allow her to catch up with you. Right. You will still have my fast action. your fast and your slow action, and you will need a fast action for blocking. Yeah. As she comes in at you with the syringe. Oh. She gets one success here. This is a lot of dice. <laughs> uh, um, okay. One success, however, two face huggy. Okay. So roll another panic. Roll another panic. Oh, man. Not good. <laughs> What's your stress level at? Uh, five. Um, that is less. Okay, so six. Keeping it together for that. You managed to keep it together. Barely. Okay. She comes in with a needle, her thumb on the plunger, and you barely have the strength, but you come up with your knife and bat her hand away. She's surprised. She didn't expect you to have anything. So now it is your turn. What do you do? Close combat attack with the knife. Maybe she's just trying to heal you. Because of what she said, uh, I'm not trusting at the moment. So I'll take a a swipe with my knife. All right. She's going to use her fast action, though, to uh, try to block that. Oh, finally, no face huggers. Uh, one success. One success. She blocks with the with the needle. <laughs> you're you're more or less doing doing a uh, slap attack here as uh she tries to come in and you block. You try to go in and slash at her and she blocks. All right. But it's not like sword fighting with a with a uh, syringe and a uh, and a kitchen knife. It's it's really very awkward and all in this reddish light flashing with the klaxons blaring in the background trying to grab it from her you attempt to um, grab the needle from her this may necessitate you dropping your own knife understandable maybe you can keep a hold of it i guess we'll find out depending on what i roll depends on what you roll one success she tries to keep out of your grapple except that she doesn't have a fast action left you get a grip on her wrist okay and she tries to get out of that uh, grapple. She tries to pull her arm free. More combat rolls. One more success. I've gotten one success on every grouping of these three 
three dice. Is it just a contested against? Yeah, if you wish to spend a fast action to um, try to block that, then you would roll your close combat. I'm out of actions. I used a slow and a fast on my last. She rips her arm free, but she hasn't seen a lot of success in this. You've got too much fight in you. And so she turns and runs away. She just runs down the corridor, not back toward this secret room, but uh, toward the junction uh, that is around the bend. And uh, and she disappears around the corner of the uh, passageway. What do you do? She went away from where she was? Right. She ran away from the secret room. And it looked like it wasn't directly connected to the ship. So I, uh, being Lars, I wouldn't realize that I'd be able to contact anybody else throughout the ship. Follow. Pick up my knife again and follow. You turn and stumble along. I'm going to need another mobility from you. Oh, yeah. Those are the ones that suck for me. A success and a face hugger. All right, one more panic roll. Make it through this one and you might be okay. Maybe. So now I drop item, so I lose my knife. Or other important item that the GM decides. You only have the knife. But it also increases my stress, so now my stress is six. So high. All right, you stagger around the corner. Um, Somewhere along the way, you drop the knife. You don't even realize it's happened. Uh, Just fell out of numbed fingers. And still on occasion calling out, Bosco, patience. You come around the corner. There is no sign of Carla Shaw. You are back at the junction that uh, forward would lead to the galley and the bridge. Aft would lead to the living areas and down would lead to the lower levels of the ship. And it seemed like the original blood trail led down. The med lab is uh, straight ahead too and you could really use some drugs. Not whatever was in Carla Shaw's syringe, perhaps, but... I will... I will go towards the med lab then. You cross the junction. The sound of the klaxons almost seems to recede as your consciousness fades in and out. You hit the the panel that opens the sliding door to the med lab. It whooshes aside. You clamber your way in, stagger your way in, and there... You see something horrible. You see Javier Janus, who is in the cryopod trying to recover from his own injuries. He is laid open, quite dead. Blood is everywhere in the flashing red lights. His stomach, his chest is ripped open, but not from the outside. It looks like whatever it was tore its way from the inside. Oh, wow, okay. Dr. Laura Falls strikes the conduit in the center of the hallway and does not roll off of it. The others, just now rappelling down into the darkness, don't see this, of course, don't see the figure that comes forward, the humanoid figure, don't see its dreadlock-like hair, the tubes that connect the almost stone-like mask that it wears. Don't see the heavily muscled arms and legs uncovered by the mesh armor that covers its torso. Don't see it examine Dr. Laura. Don't see it pick her up and carry her a short distance away. Soon enough, though, when they come to this area, they have seen blood, 
and they see the hand that was blown off of the alien thing that took Dr. Laura. I believe that's where Ray and Wild Bill and Ensign Feather and Dr. Wick left things off, except by that time, by the time they get that far, it has been some time, and now there are three red dots on Wild Bill's forehead. Let's draw for some initiative and see what happens. Wild Bill, you get a four. Ray, a nine. Okay. Wild Bill, you see Ray's eyes go wide. What's your instinct? You know, Wild Bill has been in these situations before, unfortunately. Uh, So this isn't the first oh crap moment. However, that doesn't mean that he likes it or is wholly prepared for it. So as he looks over and sees that look on Ray's face, knowing that something really, really bad is wrong, and even kind of having a guess by the way Ray is staring at him, uh, while Bill's going to slowly lower his rifle, you know, he kind of had it on guard, but he's going to lower it down towards the ground even more, and he's going to slowly look around to see if he can figure out where whatever it is is coming from. You hear a voice out in the dark that says, I will tend my flowers in heaven. It does not sound like Dr. Laura, though. No. It sounds like a almost computerized version of, of Dr. Laura. Oh, Ray hates that. <laughs> uh, doc, doc, Dr. L- Laura? Is that you? No, bro, it's not. Is that you? I, uh, while Bill give, gives Ray the look, I mean, while Bill's caught onto what Ray's trying to say, and it kind of gives him that knowing look in return, uh, but really isn't certain what to do here. Whatever this thing is, I'm assuming, you know, we can't see it. Um, do I have a general idea where the, like, the beam is coming from? Man, it's about, it's about, uh, 20 meters ahead of us. Maybe 30, yeah, 30 meters, 30 meters if I'm reading this thing right, says Ensign Feather with the motion detector in hand. All right. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Everybody just stay calm. If, if whatever it is was, was, was going to shoot us, like, like it, it already shot us, right? So let's just stay frosty. And uh, while Bill will kind of slowly take a step back and kind of back up just a little bit, he's, he's very nervous that he can't see it. That's the thing. If this was a, a, an enemy, you know, he saw what it was, he could make a combat assessment. But the fact that it's, you know, we haven't noticed it at all, but yet we can hear it. That's pretty unnerving and tactically concerning. I loved the rhyme scheme you had there. Ray, what do you do? I think I would uh, probably follow Bill's lead and also step, uh, when I go backwards, also step away from him a little bit because I don't want to be clumped up all in a bunch. We need to not all be hit at the same time. Yeah, good idea. And while Bill kind of give him the, you know, the left-handed motion to spread out a little bit. All right. I can't do it. <laughs> I'll just be inserting, you know, Richard's. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my cat when she's like super relaxed. <laughs> Just stay calm. And then it strides forward into your flashlight beams. You see this being for the first time. It's not one of the alien things that you have been dealing with. It doesn't look related to them uh, at all, but 
It is humanoid. It is <laughs> about um, six and a half, almost seven feet tall, very muscular. Uh, in your light, you see that its skin is a, a greenish uh, brown, almost dark colored with striations of lighter color running throughout it in patches and streams. Its head is framed by dreadlocks covered in bone beads, and its face is covered by a mask that has several tubes running into it, a mask with no mouth on it, but with two slits for eyes. The whole mask is triangular-ish. If Sharon did her homework, then she knows what this looks like. I definitely read the Wikipedia synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) It has a weapon mounted on its shoulder, and it's from that that the three dots, the three laser sights are coming from. You can see them streaking out through through the darkness, making a line from the thing's shoulder straight to Wild Bill. And it keeps tracking him. You know, Wild Bill, like I said, has his rifle kind of pointed down, and he's going to raise his left hand, you know, in that, you know, kind of surrender motion, you know, as it's like, be calm, be cool. And, uh, you know, very nervously, like, everybody else can see that Wild Bill is, you know, uh, pretty terrified of this thing. Gigantic. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, all right, just take it easy, friend. Uh, 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 can, can you, can you, can you talk? speak? A voice comes from beneath that mask, and it's almost yours, but not quite distorted, strange, almost robotic. Calm down, friend. Yeah, yeah, friend, friend. Yeah, we're, 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 we're friends. We're, we're, we're looking for our friend. You, you, you use their voice. I will water my plants in heaven. The, 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 other alien with the tail, and he kind of makes the motion with his left hand, you know, like the tail whip motion, and the jaws, and he puts his hand in front of his mouth, you know, to make the, like, jaws. They're, they're we, they're hunt, they hunt us. We, we, we want, we, we just, we just want to get out of here. We gotta get out of this place. <laughs> if it's the last thing we ever do. Sorry. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> This is not the musical <laughs> episode. <laughs> well, then I digress. Continue, Almost please. made me do a spit take. <laughs> I was going to say it's all, it, but it is one of those episodes where Sharon takes a drink of something and then I <laughs> say something that nearly makes her spit all of it out. <laughs> I'll be on card from now on. What do you do, Ray? Uh, so Bill was asking it about Dr. Laura saying they hunt us. Hunt us. We are not here. To hunt. We are here because we're curious. Hunt. Not us. We don't hunt. And it turns around and it walks into the darkness. And you hear it say as it disappears into the dark, Dr. Laura, friend. Yo, Bill, I'm really confused as to what it's telling us because it like definitely referenced like she always talked about like how in heaven she would have like a cool garden and stuff. And like I was like, oh, she's definitely 100% dead. And now it's like, oh, it's her friend, though. Or <laughs> I don't even know. I, I, I can't even pretend anymore. This is the weirdest shit I have ever been into. And um, so I yeah, I, I uh, let's move forward. And follow the big guy 
and hope he doesn't change his mind on the shooting this thing. Well, I think you are right, bro. Like, if <laughs> that thing was going to shoot us, we'd be shot. I mean, he, he had me. He had the drop on me. I can't explain it, but he's not, he's, not, uh, he's not hunting us. He revealed himself to us. You follow then? Yeah. Uh, All right. You catch up. It's making large strides, but you can half jog, half walk in your environmental suits to get caught up with it. And it leads you not terribly far, only about um, maybe 50 meters or so, maybe 100. You're having to jog along and keep up. You're not counting. But it then crosses to the wall where there is a large keypad of some sort. It's not, it's an access pad. It's not really a keypad. It doesn't have keys on it. It has instead a screen, and this being reaches out with one long nailed finger, almost a talon, in fact, and draws on the screen, and runes come up as it does so. Uh, Just all these strange runes pop up in uh, bright orange colors. And then a section of the wall slides aside, a section probably eight feet wide and maybe 18 feet tall. And inside, from inside, streams out this bright yellow-orange light. It's not a natural thing. It's not like the yellow-orange of a sun. It's a deeper, ruddier orange. The, The creature, the being, leads you in assuming you follow. Dr. Wick has been speechless through this whole encounter and the and the pers- pursuit, but now his jaw just inside of his mask, well lit by the inward-facing lamps of your suits, his jaw just drops open and anyone looking at him can see reflected in the glass of his helmet the room in front of him, in front of you, a room that has large cylindrical tubes of glass or something like glass filled with bubbling green liquid inside of which are, well, larger versions of that thing you saw on the shuttle, but they are just curled there, unmoving. And there's other things in other tubes as well. There's the other versions of this, perhaps. Uh, there's one that looks like a, a crab, almost. Almost like a, like a horseshoe crab. There's ones that have multiple arms. There's one that looks a lot like the winged things that attacked you at the very beginning. In the center of this room are three hospital tables, on one of which is... Dr. Laura. She has been stripped of her environment suit and an area cut away from her chest above her heart, cut away both from her clothing and the skin below, as well as the bone beneath that. You can see inside of Dr. Laura from here, Dr. Laura has a hole that goes all the way through her, but the table is fixing it. The table has arms on it, big robotic arms 
that are extended out and are working on the whole that is going through Dr. Laura. And you can see something building in there, a heart, but a heart that is the same kind of material as the rest of this space, this tunnel and such that you've been in, this organic yet artificial knotted material. And even as you watch, it builds up and builds up and then forms a bit of a carapace over her breastbone. I would run over there. The thing turns to the rest of you as Ray runs over to the table. Uh, what do you do, Ray? Oh, I want to I want to see what it's doing. This is unbelievable. I've, oh, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. What's it using? What's it making it out of? There's a sparking as one of the robotic arms uh, malfunctions for a moment. The uh, being mm, looks at it and growls and then goes over to a large console where there are multiple panels that he begins running his talons along that pop up with runes and other symbols. I want to go over there now. I want to see what he's doing on that pan- on that panel. <laughs> what kind of medical procedure is this? <laughs> like a little kid running around. Medical procedure. <laughs> you like the little kid running around. What does this do? What does this do? What but does also this like- do? Also, like, he's holding his temples, just like, what What are you doing to her? You know? <laughs> I would say that this space is alien enough <laughs> that everyone should probably make a panic roll. No. Okay. We're fine. Everything's fine. I mean, fine. I'm still dead at the moment. Panic. Where is it? And there you is. have seen Dr. Laura's corpse being rebuilt. D6 plus God bless America. Five. Yeah, I rolled a five, and my stress is at two. So that's a seven, which means increase your stress and the stress of all friendly PCs in short range. This can't okay. be happening, man. <laughs> calm down. I'm calm. I'm calm. I am calm. Technically, you're stressing him out, too, since he's semi-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he going to take a move to calm him down? Can I use calming presence on him? <laughs> the being turns toward Wild Bill and says, calm down. And the uh, beams of its uh, tracker pinpoint your your own heart. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, okay, I'm calming. I'm calming. I'm calming down. I'm calming down. I'm calming down. Bill, I'm calm down. Bill, calm down. Bill, calm down. Calm, calm, calm. But I'd really like if somebody would tell me what in the hell is going on. Well, it's doing a like a heart reconstruction surgery or something, but it's building it completely out of new material. Okay, but you say that like it's normal. That's not normal. It's totally not normal. Okay, thank you. At least we're on the same page. That's not normal. That is Dr. Laura, though, right? Like, I don't know, yo. Like, are we in, like, like, Dr. Frankenstein right now? It's, like, just fixing the real Dr. Laura. But on, like, an alien planet? I don't even know what this stuff is made of. Is it plastic? It's not like building a new Dr. Laura, right? I don't know. Will she rise with, like, a creepy big tail that will stab us? I have no idea. That would be weird and a lot of work when he could just shoot us. The being, which for ease of reference we'll call the hunter, goes over to a panel and hits a few buttons. Nozzles in the Baroque walls of this chamber, which is tall and and wide, but not as wide as the room is tall, Uh, but nozzles that are there in these sort of weird, fast-relief 
structures of uh, tubing and and growth on the walls come out, and a greenish mist sprays through the room. It takes off its mask. There's a as its own aerators come undone from the mask, and it lifts its mask away from its face, and oh, what a face. Uh, This thing has small, beady eyes, yellowish skin with darker striations that match the darker skin of its uh, lower body. It's got a segmented mouth in four parts that open and shut and open and shut, almost mandibles, in fact. As that green mist fills the air, it breathes deeply of it. Stay calm, it says. But it's now, without the mask on, it sounds even more alien. It's like, stay calm. Seeing this, you gain a level of stress. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so you can understand what we say. So is this mist safe for us to breathe? No, we're in environmental suits. I forgot. Sorry, I got too excited. Except for Dr. Laura. He points to his mask, and then at you. Yeah, we're wearing environmental suits. Yeah, no, I had forgot, sorry. Stay calm. And he inhales. Staying. Will, sh- will she be able to breathe it, though? Like, like when everything's done. He strides over to Ray, who isn't that far away, and taps the environmental mask right in front of your face. He just, those, those long talon nails. <laughs> Did you, you wanted to take the mask off? Listen, I'm just looking Take out for the health. the mask off. Stay calm. Oh, hell. Okay, okay, I'll look okay, over okay. at Bill. Um, I mean, I don't want to, but I don't see that we have a choice. Um, okay. Uh, mask, I'll take the, okay. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Mask is coming right. off. Yep. I'm taking the okay. mask off. All right. I'm going to do it. doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. All right. We're doing it. Here we go. Like, I don't know how the masks come off, but I'm assuming there's like the outer <laughs> faceplate piece. We probably can... got to like press a couple of buttons and it goes. Psh, psh. <laughs> yeah, it's that high attack. <laughs> now it kind of, it has some attachments and you have to unbolt, you know, unscrew them. It doesn't take very much, but then you can pull off the mask and then you're breathing this. It, it, it's kind of minty. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not the first time I deeply inhaled the green mist. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whoa, dude, it's like menthol. <laughs> and your stress level is reduced by three. Holy moly. Whoa, lucky you. Oh, that's like all of my stress. Well, if you were alive, Dr. Laura, it would, it would you too. Yep. So it really was weed. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, not the time of year. 420 was like several weeks ago. I expected. <laughs> Their calendar is different. This is... <laughs> This is 420 in the Predator calendar. It's 420 every day at at two points during the day. (laughs) LJ, would you like to spend a luck point now? How many do I have? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it'll be my third luck point. Ooh. Oh, yes. I will spend a luck point. Do it. Do it. Even as you're inhaling, two things happen. One, Dr. Laura sits up on the table gasping. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Oh my God. She's rising up. (laughs) You can see the new synthetic organic material over her heart kind of pulsing with an internal reddish glow. 
that gets brighter and then goes dimmer, then brighter, then dimmer. At the same time, Dr. Wick, who fascinated but also super stressed out, has not removed his helmet and is backing toward the door, which unfortunately no one closed, just in time for a tail spike to come and pierce him through the head. Well, that's a buzzkill. It emerges from the front of his mask, and then he is jerked backward, and there is one of those nine-foot, not including tail, alien things standing there in the door, very similar to one or more of the ones in their cylinders here in his room, but much more mobile, and it leans forward and hisses. Well, hell. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Laura will be at full health, plus one. Plus one? Yeah. Cheesy crazy. That's better. Stress level decreased the three from the green gas, man. Yo, like, (laughs) the green smells so minty. Do I get that same decrease in stress level? That is based off of your strength score, so your strength goes up by one. Ooh. So that will change everything associated with that, too. Well, I mean, so, Dr. Laura, your stress level is zero because, yay, death. Although, once you look down and see what happened, you're going to get another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, okay. What happened to me as well as seeing the alien? A new, another new alien creature. So there'll, be, there'll be that going on. But your strength does go up by one. Um, so that's going to increase your health by one. Everybody else's stress has gone down by three. It's awesome. Everybody hop on the machine. And now up (laughs) by one. Up by one, okay. (laughs) Because of what's uh, going on right now. Okay, so question. Stress because um, heart situation and was dead. Um, And also another stress for new alien creature. No, I'm just going to give you one stress for everything going on right now. Okay. I mean, you wake up from death and look down. See that going on. Look over just in time to see Dr. Wick impaled by a tail spike and then replaced by an alien creature. And then um, see another alien creature operating some controls. And uh, yeah, and everybody's got their helmets off and there's a green mist in the room. And it's been a few moments. Let's uh, redo initiative cards here. Oh, yeah. And Dr. Laura can get in on this here as well. So we'll. See what happens. Wild Bill, you get a 10. Ooh. You want low numbers, remember? Yeah, you want low numbers. Unless you're a cleric. Ray, you get an 8. Okay. Come on, 6. Dr. Laura. Come on, 6. You get a 7. The Hunter gets a 2. Ooh, good. And a 3 has a speed of 2. The Xenomorph gets two numbers of its own. Oh, great. All right. I'm sure we'll be fine. The hunter goes first. And it, 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 it turns three dots appear on the alien thing. And yeah, three successes. You do see that this alien creature out in the hallway is missing an arm up to the bicep. The blood dripping from that sears into the into the floor, although it's 
slowing, healing up. And the thing has some armor, blocks one damage. As the three-barreled missile launcher on the hunter's shoulder spits out almost like Roman candles, those Roman candle balls, it spits out (laughs) three of those that go at the um, xenomorph and strikes it, and it hisses. And then because the hunter is quick. Oh, it goes again. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. He unslings the something. The, the the plasma caster thing almost operated on its own. And it while it was blasting at the xenomorph, the hunter hauls around on this short, stubby, um, gun-shaped thing that uh, Axel would recognize if he were here. Uh, he lifts it up and fires it, and a net like comes out of the uh, barrel and goes for the alien creature. Uh, and the net wraps around the alien and starts constricting around it, at which point the creature uh, the creature backs away, um, gnashing inside of the net, trying to get free. But it's not able to. Uh, I guess technically next up is going to be Dr. Laura. Ooh, okay. But <laughs> you're not feeling so hot. Or you're feeling really good, one or the <laughs> other. Yeah, feeling better. <laughs> I would like to look around, see if A, my pistol is handy, or B, if there's any other thrown objects I can use to huck at this ugly thing in the hallway. Uh, give me an observation roll. Two successes. However, there is a face hugger. <laughs> On your one stress die. <laughs> oh, no. Five total. Uh, yeah, so you you keep it together, despite everything going on. Uh, so looking around, you, you spot your pistol um, shoved in a spare holster on uh, Ray's pack. You also see one of these uh, robotic arms, which has been working on you, apparently. It's fritzing out because it's almost to fall off of its erector set looking scaffolding of an arm. Okay. That could be, it looks like, wrenched off pretty pretty handily and uh, and chucked. There's a couple of chairs, but you're not sure if they're attached to the floor. They look like almost like they've been grown up out of the floor. Um, then I will take a movement and go and grab my gun. So you leap off of the this strange, again, grown, almost uh, tree-like gurney thing, and just like head over to Ray and just snatch up your, whoa, your whoa, pistol. Yep. And oh, hey, Doctor L. Whoa. So that'll be two fast actions for you. Yep. Okay. Ray's next. I just want to make sure that Doctor Laura's feeling okay. So I'm gonna be like, whoa. Oh, are you doing okay? Are you steady on your feet? Uh, you do keep in mind that this is simultaneous with what's happening in the doorway with the monster and ah, fair. and the uh, hunter firing. There's explosions. There's a net gun goes off. Dr. Laura has leapt up off of the table at the same time, has grabbed her pistol out of, out of your holster. Uh, the right. thing is in the door, screeching, clawing around. I guess I'm just following around after Dr. Laura like a, a, a very worried you know, mother hen, just kind of like, oh, you know, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh, I'm spotting you, you know. <laughs> okay. Wild Bill. Wild Bill likes nothing about any of this. This is all bad. 
So while Bill's going to like move back and try to place that slab that Dr. Lore had been on between him and the alien creature. And while he's doing that, he is going to pull his rifle back up into firing position in that well-practiced maneuver. And uh, he's going to pop off around at the, at the alien. All right. Uh, as soon as I remember how many dice that is. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Not bad. That's two successes. And no face huggers. Which is the best part, yes. No, mm-hmm. I'm the one that gets the face hugger. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get a stunt. So I need to know how much damage you're planning on doing before I can roll my armor. Um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and bump bump damage with it. So uh, my base damage is two. That means I get to bump it one because I have, or do I get to bump it up two damage? A uh, one, just one. So one for the one success to make it hit, one uh, to bump it up. So three damage total. Two successes on armor, so it takes one hit from you. Well, one damage from you. I'll take it. Your your bullets pound into it, but it's like this thing's hide is just so thick and also curving around everywhere. You're you're scoring it in places, but only one of those shots seem to have gotten through, and then that blood is spraying and it's like eating through the the net even. And the Hunter, at this point, rushes to the door and starts operating the controls, and the door begins to slowly close. Is it like a, like a sliding door when it, there's something in the way and it like keeps closing on it and opening and then starting trying to close again? And uh, Yeah, but the thing actually, the um, alien creature, the xenomorph, staggered backwards and it's thrashing about inside of the net, and so it's not actually in the doorway. Oh, okay. And so, as that's closing, um, he blasts the thing again to hit. He's going to do extra damage, which is good, because the thing got a lot of armor (laughs) again. And then the door is closed. The hunter turns around, though, and you see that there is a, a large claw mark across his chest, three Fingers of the thing must have gotten free of the net and and clawed out at him as he was getting the door closed. And green blood, almost fluorescent, is um, oozing out of those wounds. He turns toward all of you, kind of crouches down, and his man his four mandible uh, mouth just opens up, and he just roars. <laughs> the roar shaking the room. And everyone must make a panic roll and no. take a level. Of, well, take a level of stress and then make a panic roll. Five total. There's, where's the panic chart? Oh, it's on the. Uh... No, I'm not safe. I got a seven. This has been like the last five <laughs> minutes. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm at four stress. That's terrible. Oh, reduce your stress by three. Oh my god, it's amazing. Thanks, oh my god, Patrick. I have another stress. Uh, oh. Oh, oh my god, I'm back up to three again already. <laughs> So does that increase our stress again? Yeah. Because you rolled, yeah, you rolled a seven. Oh, you rolled a seven, so all of ours goes up again. Yep. Yeah. Everyone's stress level goes up. Well, yeah, we'll find out what happens yet. next on next the time. next <laughs> Gothic podcast. That's how I feel when I get a paper cut too. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you a paper cut. <laughs> you know, a paper cut by an alien xenomorph. Oh my god. Could I roll any more face huggers today, please? 
The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy The Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! The damage you take is the height you fell in meters divided by two <laughs> rounded down. I'll be removing Sharon's laugh, which indicates that she had just told me this information <laughs> off screen. I don't remember it that way. I Patrick just quoted the rules like he had them all memorized. He totally exactly. knew exactly what he was talking about. <laughs>